0: Welcome to the AlphaMine Podcast with myself, Stephen Goldstein, and my co-host, Mark Randall. The Mind Podcast seeks to illuminate and explore how traders succeed in financial markets by understanding the mindset, behavior, and psychology that underlies great risk-taking performance.
1: I can tell you that I spend very little time studying options. I spend very little time studying trading. I spend the vast majority of my time studying personal development and techniques on how to think better. Because I mean, look, when I started trading, just as an example, when I started trading uh, in 2006, I went to this Invest Tools thing. I talked to traders there who had been in the market for 10 years and they're still not making money. That's why they're the, the Invest Tools thing. Within a year and a half. You I had a hard time my first six months, but within a year and a half, I'm coaching traders. Within two years, I'm coaching the, the mentors that mentored me in my initial trading program. And now 10 years later, I talked to some people I met back in 2006, and they're still not making money in the market. They probably know a hell of a lot more about trading than I do. But, you know, what is it that allows me to take trades? What allows me to pull the trigger? What allows me to
0: do this stuff? And it all has to
1: do with mindset.
0: That clip was taken from today's episode with John Locke. John is an options trader at S&P Capital and also works as a coach to other traders. John was a fascinating guest, as you will hear from John. He didn't spend vast amounts of time learning about markets, trading strategies, analytical techniques. He spent much of his time putting in his efforts into developing himself. This intrigued us at Alpha Mind no less because this is something we bang on about all the time and is a major feature of our own backstories in trading. John is a great example of this, and this almost certainly comes from the fact that before he was a trader, he was a. He had the answer before he started and he practiced what he preached once he started working as a trader. The first part of this podcast is predominantly about options trading. And even if you aren't into options trading, this will be a great listen. The second part is around 25 minutes into the interview where John starts talking about trading mindset and how our emotions impact our behavior and our decision making. And this is where the podcast really does take off. I'm sure you're going to love this episode. Even if you love it just half as much as we love doing it, you will find it incredibly valuable and useful. Now before we start, a quick word about our podcast sponsor, the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA. The STA are one of the world's leading institutions for the advancement and education of technical analysis. By becoming a member of the STA, which is open to people from all over the world, you will get access to fantastic webinars and talks, including a backlog of talks over many years with some of the leading figures in the world of technical analysis and trading. They also provide an outstanding newsletter with articles and research and they also provide fantastic education and diploma programs including an outstanding home study course written and developed by some of the world's leading figures in the world of technical analysis if you want to know more about them and becoming a member go to their website sta-uk.org finally a quick word about the alpha trader performance coaching program this program goes beyond learning about the known aspects of trading strategy tactics analysis risk management this looks at what we call the meta game of trading the game beyond the game this is the game you have to win to succeed at trading now our program our trader performance coaching program is based on work we've been delivering to elite traders at some of the world's leading trading and investment businesses across the world over the past 10 years the coaching helps people facilitate greater self-awareness that enables them to see themselves from afar in ways that they have never experienced before this raised self-awareness enables them to understand at a much deeper level how they can improve and then supports them to make positive changes which helps bridge the gap between potential to succeed and actual success itself we believe everyone has the ability to succeed unfortunately most people are looking outside of themselves and beyond themselves for those answers when all along the answers exist within themselves not outside Having a helping hand along that pathway makes the journey so much easier and massively improves the chances of success. To know more about this program, we produce this in association with our coaching partner, Alpha R Cubed. That's the word alpha, the letter R, the word cube. You can find out more about the program by going to their website, alpharcubed.com, or... Emailing info at alpharcubed You will also find details about the program on the Alpha Mind blog at the top of the page. Now on with the podcast.
2: Well, welcome to this week's uh, Alpha Mind podcast, and we're delighted to have John Locke with us. Um, John Locke established Lock in Your Success back in two thousand and six. Uh, he's authored more than a dozen options trading strategy course books, created many career changing trading performance programs which are used by traders around the globe. He's a professional trader on SMB Capital's Options Trading Desk, and some of you will be familiar with SMB, because we had Merritt Black back earlier on in the um, the series of podcasts. So we're very interested to hear John's angle from the options perspective of his career so far, and of course how he's then transformed that into actually uh, a trading coaching type program. In his pursuit to become an expert in the study of human behavior and trading performance, John has achieved multiple master certifications in transformational coaching, neuro-linguistic programming, and hypnosis, and is deeply involved in many other self-improvement sciences. And those of you that know the way this podcast drifts in its conversation, we've got a lot to talk about there. He uses these skills to help traders conquer fears, overcome anxiety, and break through the barriers holding them back from performing their best. So, John, welcome. Let's hand over to you. Tell us your story.
1: Okay, so yeah, I, um, before I started trading, um, in other words, I wasn't a trader by, by trade. <laughs> uh, before I started trading, I was a success coach and a life coach, and we used to train people on how to overcome obstacles and so forth to be successful in life. And somewhere around 2005, 2006, I went to an Invest Tools seminar. I don't even think they're around anymore, but I went into one of those seminars. I kind of got hooked on trading. And I started trading, and I got very good at it very quickly. Uh, not that I didn't go through my struggles in the beginning, but uh, like everybody else, but uh, I ended up getting really good at it, and I was part of trading groups and so forth. I started having traders ask me to coach them on uh, on how on what I was doing because we were getting some really good results and, and this was back in, in like 2007 ish and only about a year after I started uh, from there our business kind of started to attract a lot of traders and uh, you know and 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 here we are today with um, our business going on the way it is great right, and
2: of course you've come from the options space and was that where you began your trading because that's that's um Probably quite unusual for, for people to sort of enter in trading.
1: Well, I didn't enter there. Uh, oh, I entered I think, like Okay. Yeah, I think I entered like everybody else. I entered trading stocks directionally, and that went okay for me, but not wonderfully. I quickly went. Oh, you know, I quickly went through the, what most traders go through. They go through. Um, they start trading. I think swing trading it, it seems to be where a lot of people start, and then they start shifting down to the more narrow time frames of day trading, and then when they get frustrated with that, they look for something else, and and that's pretty much the path I went through. I ended up doing. Uh, basically what we call high probability trades so we can make money when the money market goes up down or sideways as long as it doesn't move around too much or volatility doesn't go against us so um, i kind of fell in love with that type of trading i like the strategy behind it it's more like a game of chess it's not like you know in in day trading or or stock trading you know you're going to put you're going to put a trade on and it's going to work out or it's not uh in in our in our world it's it's, we put a trade on and if the market stays in range that's great but if it starts going outside range we have to have a game plan to um, adjust and, and manage our risk through the thing to see if we can make it it's, it, it can get quite uh, interesting and I really
0: love the game of strategy there
2: yeah your middle name's Gamma <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. oh, okay there's a few things um, uh, you know so thank you thank you first of all for joining the podcast um you know, when when I read your profile, um, when we first talked about you coming on the podcast, I, I was very excited because obviously you've got a background in coaching, and um, you know I work as a coach now. Although our careers have gone the different way, you started as a coach and became a trader, I started as a trader and became a coach. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, it's it's quite interesting. But just just hearing you now, something jumped jumped out at me, which is you work in options you work in the options space you started out doing more i guess what we would call directional trading and then you found yourself doing options mm-hmm. what made you go in that direction i was just
1: frustrated with the the directional trading and having to be right with technical analysis i mean i wasn't really that skilled at the time right so and i think i go through a lot of what other traders went through you 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 know you get this strategy or this indicator or uh, or whatever and you know you think it's going to be the winning thing and then you start trading it and then you find out it's harder than you thought it was and then you go on to the next thing and i think i think a lot of traders who are successful the reason they're successful in what they're doing is because they just happen to catch traction at that time in their career and they just follow it I mean, that's kind of what happened with me. I really caught traction and started making money when I got into these market-neutral trading strategies. Um, and I just, I, I followed it. And like I said, I also liked the challenge. I mean, since then, I trade a lot of directional traders. I, trade day, I train day traders or in trading psychology and stuff like that. But um, really, my passion is in the, is in the market-neutral trading.
0: Okay. Now 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 there's there's something which stands out for me and um we're recording this podcast on Thursday the sixteenth of January and, and just coincidentally two two days ago we published our last podcast episode which was about risk personality.
2: Well hang on a bit Steve, we said January, we're in July.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of want to start 2020 again, so... <laughs> <laughs> you and all of us sometimes, right? <laughs> right? Okay, so I'm having one of those days. We got the timing wrong for the start of this, and now I'm getting my months out by six months. Of course, Whoa. it's the 16th of July.
2: You won't believe what's coming this year, dude, I tell you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nah, it all looks. It, this year looks like, a, you know it's it's just going to be a very quiet year I think <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> what could possibly happen in 2020 what God, could possibly third, go
2: wrong third world war <laughs> you ever heard of hand sanitizers <laughs>
1: stock, up, stock up on stock toilet up. paper That's... <laughs> no I'm,
0: I'm not buying it I'm not buying it <laughs> <Shop> tomatoes. <laughs> No, tomatoes no 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 anyway listen okay so anyway just sort of coming back so obviously it's the 16th of July today Um, and what a year it's been (laughs) Um, you you talked about being an options trader and you started off doing directional trading now if I go back to why I was talking about risk personality um, one of the things I've noticed over the years with my own coaching and using the risk type compass tool which is the one I use to assess people's risk personality and the tool we talked about on the last podcast, which they can take a free test, by the way, on risk personality.
1: And, and I took it, by the way. So. Oh, you took it? So yeah, what, I, thought, what I, thought, ta- I thought it was interesting, yeah. What
0: type were you? Uh, carefree. Right. right, OK. Like me. OK, <laughs> like Mark. So what's really interesting is the types to the bottom of that that wrist type compass, particularly the carefree, the adventurous, and the um, composed types composed Okay. Yeah. yeah, they are usually often a lot of people there are doing option strategies and are doing options trading, and this is what I wanted to mention. Whereas towards the top, people tend to be more directional traders, more short-term traders, or if they're on the right-hand side of it, more relative value traders. But they tend not to do options or run option strategies, and it's almost like they like to keep things quite simple. They like to remove volatility from the equation. And if they do take volatility, it's in the short end, very quick in and out volatility, they won't run it for a lot. And the traders towards the bottom tend to almost embrace volatility. And actually they, they, they quite often prefer or less, they, they don't reduce direction, but they like having a portfolio. And in fact, it's almost like they have an edge there. and And, and I've also noticed a lot of them or chess players and bridge players.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, it, it, when you look when I, when you look at where I was on that chart, I was like dead on the bottom of carefree. In other words, I was like all the way out to the edge.
0: <laughs> and, and
1: that's a really yeah.
0: extreme type
1: of carefree. <clears throat> Right, right. Which I don't consider myself carefree, so it was kind of surprising. But um, when I think about it and what they read about it, I said, yeah, "Yeah, that 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 kind of fits me." But I agree with you. I like the strategy. I don't I don't find too much reward in putting on a trade and just seeing if it goes in the right direction. That's you know, It's like flipping a coin almost sometimes to me. You know,
2: there is something else about this as well, and I've noticed this in in, in my career of engaging with uh, you know. Traders that, you know, trade the whole bandwidth of, of, of what's out there. And actually those that have got a creative mindset tend to drift into the options world because you guess just got more things to do. You can be a lot more creative. You can play gamma. You can play delta. You've got the various surfaces you can look in terms of uh, opportunity in the market. And when a market at a, from a front, front uh, month futures product may be quiet, you could have all sorts of things going on across the options surfaces as, you know, Mm -hmm. flow starts to distort that volatility. And volatility becomes the trade. It becomes the thing you're trading, as well as the time decay and the various other elements. And I think people with a creative mindset are drawn to that because, of course, they can map that against their portfolio in their outright, in their cash or in their futures products. I think you're right, Steve, that, as you mentioned, that that bottom... Um, left-hand side of the chart of the compass tends to be a very creative area, and I think you know people in that mindset um, would tend to drift into things that give them that opportunity to reflect that in their in their professional career in in trading in this sense.
0: Also, they tend to be—I call them architects. Yeah, yeah. They, they tend to be designers. For sure. And it's you know it's interesting that you've. Build and develop lots of trading strategies, lots of options strategies.
1: Yes, I have, and we have uh, we have twelve that we cover regularly, just uh, just every every week. So, uh, and 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 there's a lot more out there that I've done. So, uh, definitely spend my time developing
0: things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I've noticed with the people I've worked with over the years is people in that space. Some of them have built built brilliant, brilliant systems. They've actually designed the system and got somebody else to build them, because. They're not the best builders. They like to create the plan and then give it to somebody else who's a little bit more diligent and prudent on the building side.
1: I should look into that,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I've noticed is they're not afraid to go against the trend or to back the trend. They're also often, with some of the directional traders I've seen in that <laughs> space, I call them wave runners, so if we were to talk about Elliott Wave, there often be people trying to capture new trends or be the first person in there, rather than waiting for verification.
1: Yeah, and I can see that too. A lot of the stuff I do is original, so um, new ideas and uh, things like that. So, and and realistically, I enjoy trades that give me a really hard time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a lot of fun to manage and and actually figure out a way to. Um, you know, move around with price movement and when volatility is doing, so that you can still come out with a win. It's pretty cool. Yeah,
2: yeah you can be slightly braver using options counter trend as well. You know, if you're directionally just exposed to outright, you know, sort of pure. Well, direction. not
1: if you're not if you're short options, but yeah. But if you're short, <laughs> short
2: options, the short options are killed cool. But you you've got the availability of playing counter trend relatively safely compared to an outright trade.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. My question is, most people tend not to do options. I find a lot of people are a little bit scared about them. Um, They're curious about them, but they kind of dabble and then say, no, that's not my space. What would you say to people who, who do that or, you know, who perhaps want to consider getting into options or maybe want to rethink it?
1: Well, they're a little more challenging to understand because now you're, now you're dealing with volatility, right? So um, there's, a, there's a third dimension in there. And, in other words, you know, if you, you can buy an option and have the price go in your direction and still lose money, and, and that's very common, or the price doesn't move and you lose money, especially for long options. So I, I think that might um, scare people a little bit, but on the other side, You know, you have this thing where you can take on a very small amount of risk and make thousands of percent on your money if the market goes your way. Um, The probability of you doing that maybe is lower than if you bought a future or something like that, but the reward is insane if you're good at it or if you happen to pick the right time. In other words, you can be wrong a lot and still make money.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's interesting because that that, that captures the asymmetric nature of options like Yeah,
1: yeah, and a lot of times we're on the other side of that because we're often net um, short volatility, so um, you know we're we're looking for the market not to move too far, and volatility not to rise too far, which you know can be challenging at times, but um, uh, other times they're not. But I think a lot of people avoid options because they 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 think they're complex first of all, and you know another reason is is there is a lot of stuff out there about there being a lot of risk in options, but the reality is is as long as you're position sizing properly, there's no re- there's no reason to be afraid of the risk. It's the people who go in and buy ten thousand dollars a stock and then put ten thousand dollars in an option. Right? You know, but
2: in the in the professional market though, I think that um, the risk appetite of those managing risk of the trading business will mm-hmm. often dictate whether you're allowed to be short options. And, you know, I've I've known Tons of people that could only buy options, you know, in big businesses because they didn't have the, um, you know, the modeling in the background to be able to manage something nasty going against them to be able to, you know, to cover that risk appropriately. So I think, you know, the people that are managing risk have some responsibility in that sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have an option, you can technically have unlimited risk, especially if you start going short options. So. Um, I think you're right. I think risk managers are kind of afraid of that. And they also don't like us going uh, overnight in positions, which no, we sure. do all the time, right? So they um, uh, have to keep that in mind. It's a different type of trading. Like a day trader doesn't have overnight risk most of the time. They're going to be out of the market. But you know, a lot of times we're in our trades for 30 to 60 days, and the risk managers don't necessarily like that. They don't want to see a 10% move in the market overnight, and um, and the damage that can do to your position size. It's just one of the risks that we have. But, you know, as long as you're appropriately sized, it's not a problem.
0: So, so, so how did you manage this year then? Because you, you talk about, you know, large moves are not generally good for you, and 2020 has had a lot of large moves.
1: This is actually one of the best years that I personally have ever had. And my second best year was 2008 from a return standpoint. So, um, so yeah, so I'm in... Strategies that generally are sensitive to price movement, but here's the deal. I mean, depending on how you manage them, and uh, you know, have, depending on how you manage them, usually you can do okay in the in the volatility expansion. A lot of times you'll lose that month, right? So we do like monthly trades. A lot of times I'll lose that trade, but it'll be typically um, you know within reason. But the once the implied volatility is up there, you get paid a tremendous amount of money to take a risk on at that point, and at that point, the, the movements are priced into the options market, and they don't really bother you so much. Like, for example, I have this trading strategy that, you know, if you trade it in a low implied volatility uh, market, I trade on the Russell 2000. If you trade it on a, a low implied volatility market, you got like 60 points that you can deal with. And then you're max lossing out, you have to take a loss. Right now, I can the trades I'm putting on, I can run 200, 250 points in the asset without even... Thinking about it, it's not even a problem. So we are getting those bigger moves, but we're getting paid for it, and it's already built into it. And as the implied volatility starts to contract, our strategies do really, really well because now I'm getting time decay, I'm getting volatility going in my direction, and I can keep, and and you just make money relatively quickly, and can make a lot more with a lot less risk.
0: So th- this is really interesting again because if if I go back to what I was talking about about five minutes ago with regard to people's risk personality and you know the games you like playing Um, one of the other elements i I normally say about people who are in that position where you are is they see the whole matrix so whereas people at the top uh, they want to win every hand they're in (laughs) do you see what i mean which isn't really a bridge playing strategy right no, it's not.
1: Sometimes, I mean, you've got to take your losses. That's just part of the game, and you're not going to find a strategy that wins all the time. That's a challenge that a lot of people have to come into our type of trading. They come into our type of trading because we win 90% of the time, right? And they're afraid to lose. So when they do lose, it's this really big, horrendous thing where day traders are probably used to losing. Yeah. They lose half but, their but, trades half the time. But
0: kind of what you were saying was that, you know, we, we lose within the month where the volatility kicks off. But it's, mm-hmm. uh, that, that would hamstrung quite a lot of traders who, who yeah. can't take that. But whereas you see the whole matrix, you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm going to surrender that. And this is why it's kind of like a bridge strategy. I'm going to surrender this game to win the bigger battle.
1: Exactly, exactly. We have so many people who, who get whacked one month and then they're out or they trade really, really small the next cycle. And the thing is, you know, your best trades come after you've got hit a couple times. That's, I mean, you'll get the biggest winning streaks after that, which is, yeah. And if you start dropping size and stuff like that, you're just not going to do well.
0: So how, how do you cope with, you know, as you say, it's, it's almost like you've prepared your mindset for that or you have the right mindset for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why this risk personality thing is fascinating for me. You know, if you don't have a mindset like that, I, I would normally say to someone, don't trade that product or in that way or trade that product in a different way so for example i never had a mindset for that so i did try trading options at one point in my career but i almost traded them as a de facto future uh, and it, it very rarely worked out well for me um or a very a very rare or I, I traded them as a de facto spot instrument so i kind of like forgot about the volatility so i might have a great move in the market <laughs> right. that i want but my options strategies lost money because the volatility has exploded and I'm, I'm sitting there so for me that didn't work and i didn't have the right personality for that
1: well is it personality or is it just what your expectations were versus what it actually was i think that's a, a big point too you have to think about you know some people get into trading and they expect that they're going to win all the time and when they don't they expect they're doing something wrong but when really that's just the process you have to go through
2: the world of options is is, is full of things that most people within a trading sense don't normally talk about. It's, you know, it's the different it's the Greek letters that come it's the various types of strategies you know, and for the standard trader a lot of these things, including their management, are just a different vocabulary that they're very uncomfortable talking about because they just don't know that language. And I think the risk people are part of that, the senior management are part of that and, you know, from a a comfort point of view, if you're walking into this world as an options trader uh, and you just don't know the vocabulary of that sphere of trading, you know, it will become quite uncomfortable if you start discussing things with peers in the business because you you could suddenly be very much out of your depth. And particularly if you've got no sense of the almost like the math that sits behind it. You know, you need to know some fairly good detail about the functionality of the way things are priced.
1: Well, you know, um, you make a couple points there. Um, one of them is, yeah, the group, the group thought, so to speak, right? So you're in a group of people who are not trading options. It's hard for you, or, or whatever it is, right? If you're in a group of people who doesn't do something, for you to go out and do that thing is going to make you feel uncomfortable just alone. Um, but you're right. The options, they do have a lot more um, different dynamics to them. But at the same time, it's still fairly simple. I mean, I see the the option strategies we do. You know, we talk about the Greeks and all that other stuff. But when it comes right down to it, um, it's more. You get more into a um, a feeling of how implied volatility is going to shift given the news environment in the marketplace. And you get a feeling of where the technicals are going given the, uh, given what's going on in the marketplace. And once you can kind of get a sense for that, see, I think a lot of people don't make it in options because they're too focused on the technical side. They're too focused on what the delta is. They're too focused on this, as if the, as if there's a mathematical equation that's going to give you the perfect trade. Um, that just doesn't happen. You know, you kind of have to, yeah. You kind of have to. You have to. You have to kind of get feedback from the marketplace and have be have awareness of what's going on, and um, and utilize that. That's that's how you're going to be successful. Because you know, there's times where certain option strategies are just fantastic, and there's other times when they, when they're just way way too much risk, and you don't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, mean, as, I don't know if listeners wouldn't have observed that, but I was pointing at me then because <laughs> that, that was me. I, You know, I, I, as I did make money occasionally on options, sometimes good money, but it's only when they were kind of as a kind of de facto directional trade or as a kind of expiry trade and I was looking for, you know, expiries just to come into them. In other words, there was a very short-term element to yeah. them. And they're great for that because
1: you can lose a lot of trades, and, and then you can you can get this big hit, and you know you can move on. But you do have to get over the losses. <laughs> well, I, I've sure.
2: seen a business taken out with a hundred million hit on an option thing that they, they just mispriced the curve on, so they were well, the notebook and there wasn't there wasn't any straightforward settlement price for an option, so they kind of based it upon the the front of the curve, and the rest of the curve was just well, so badly mispriced.
1: They must have either been oversized or they weren't covered, right?
2: Yeah, it was just uh, it, was, it almost took down a business. Yeah. But I think you well, know, it, it things,
1: has. Like we've yeah. had people being short options. Oh my god! And, and they the problem is that you have these people and they're deal, they're 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 managing other people's money, and they're trading these naked short options or or some other strategy that has a tremendous amount of risk, and they think they're not going to lose just because it's never happened before, right? And they're back testing and stuff, which is completely absurd and. You know, you know, I would, be, I would have a problem having somebody manage my money who does options because I, I would be afraid that they don't understand the risk that's involved. And that's probably what happened to, to your guy. And they just didn't understand the risk. If they were covered and they were willing to, you know, when they were appropriately position sized, they may have taken a loss, but they're not going to put themselves out of business. Yeah.
2: Yeah, one of the other things with options is you can get into a situation where you want to get out, but you can't get out.
1: Uh, yes. Yes, you can get into that. That's why you have to yeah. be very aware of what you have for risk, and that's why you don't mm-hmm. want to be naked options.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Can I, can, can I change the conversation slightly? Because yeah. one of the things I observed at the very beginning, when uh, you know, when we first got this conversation going, even when we first kind of connected just now, um, before we started the podcast, was your positive attitude. You know, it it, it kind of jumped out of me at the screen um you know i asked how you were and you went great and i'm like wow <laughs> you know, that, that that was impactful you know in, instantly um from a success coach i guess huh there you go that's what i was curious about yeah that that's what i wanted to know a little bit more about and i'm you know i'd love to hear a bit more about that
1: yeah so um you know as human beings we default to certain things and you know, I've had a lot of training on how we think and how to control or how to manage your attitude and keep an optimistic outlook. And, you know, we have a lot of tools. And, you know, it's interesting because I talk to a lot of traders, right, and they spend all their time learning about options and volatility and or trading strategies or whatever. I can tell you that I spend very little time studying options. I spend very little time studying trading. I spend the vast majority of my time Um, studying personal development and uh, techniques on how to think better. Because, I mean, look, when I started trading, just as an example, when I started trading uh, in 2006, I went to this Invest Tools thing. I talked to traders there who had been in the market for 10 years and they're still not making money. That's why they're the, the Invest Tools thing. Within a year and a half, now I had a hard time my first six months, but within a year and a half, I'm coaching traders. Within two years, I'm coaching the the mentors that mentored me in my initial trading program, right? And now 10 years later, I talked to some people I met back in 2006, and they're still not making money in the market. They probably know a hell of a lot more about trading than I do. But, you know, what is it that allows me to take trades? What allows me to pull the trigger? What allows me to do this stuff? And it all has to do with mindset, Right. I started making money in trading once I got a very basic knowledge down of what I was doing. And then I started applying the same principles to success in trading as I did to, the, to success in everything else. And once I did that, it exploded. Now, I didn't know that much about trading. It, I have to laugh when I, when I figure out how much I knew about trading when I came up with my first trading strategy and my first trading strategy by the well by the way still does well today it's still one of the primary strategies that we do uh, i had no testing. we had I, I you know i didn't know much about implied volatility all i did is i just kind of observed what was going on i said well this should work and we put it together and and here we are today you know so the mindset part of this is so so important and you know if you want to keep going, the other thing that happens to me early on in my career that was I found very interesting is I, I came up with this trading strategy, right? We call it the M3. I came up with this strategy. I had traders trading at a whole bunch of traders. We're all do, we all have the same rules. These are non-subjective tra- strategies, so I'm not looking at the market. I'm not looking at direction. I'm not looking at anything. And we're, We just enter the same day. We follow the same rules. We exit and we hit our numbers, right? And after two years of doing this, I look at the results. Twenty percent of us are doing well. I'm doing fine. Twenty percent of us are doing fine. Some do. Some are doing better than me. We have like sixty percent of the people who are probably break even, maybe losing a little bit of money. We have twenty percent of the people that are doing terrible. Why? Right? We're all we're all following the same plan. We all have the same rules. There's no subjectivity. We're entering the same day. Why do I have a hundred traders? And their results are all over the place. And it comes back to, um, you know, if you have different results, it's because you're taking different actions. And if you're taking different actions, it's because of an emotion. Because emotions drive actions in human beings. That's the way we work. So you have certain amount of traders that are um, trading in, with the emotions of fear and stuff like that. You have other... Uh, traders that are uh, trading with emotions of more abundant type of emotions and that type of a family of emotions. And when the human mind, when, when the human being gets into a certain emotion, he thinks differently. Right? So we, in other words, I like to say we run different mind maps depending on what emotion or what state we happen to be in. So if you've got a guy that is in the state of fear, he's looking at the same rule set. He's looking at the same situation. But he's interpreting and filtering information differently than the person who's abundant and so forth. And that being the case, if there's any flexibility in that rule set, assuming they even follow it, right? Because if certain things happen, they're just not going to follow it. But assuming they're even following it, if there's any flexibility whatsoever, any gray area, they're going to take different actions at that point. And that's going to send the trade off into a spiral somewhere else, and you're going to get different results. And that's what's happened with these people. Because when I go back and, I, it, it, and we audit everybody's results and we look at what was going on and then we talk to them about their emotions and stuff like that, we find the scarcity, fearful people are the ones who are doing terrible and the ones that have, are more abundant and will actually follow the plan uh, are doing much
0: better. I mean, does that make sense? Before we continue with the podcast, a quick word about our podcast partner, the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA. The STA is an outstanding member-led organisation which promotes high-quality education, training and research on the discipline and practice of technical analysis. Membership of the STA opens up a multitude of educational programmes, including an excellent home study course and diploma programmes run at some of the world's leading academic institutions. Membership also brings you access to meetings, webinars and live events with speakers from the world of trading and investment and informative articles written by some of the leading figures in the world of technical analysis and financial markets, many of which are produced in their regular newsletter. To find out more about the STA, visit their website page, sta-uk.org or Google Society of Technical Analysts. Now back to the podcast.
2: Um, I think you're absolutely right that there is a people have forgotten about the management of self. And certainly when you're in a career like trading, sort of the role takes over, you know, and you, you turn up and you've got this ego to some extent driving this, this you know, looking for the opportunity. You forget about self-management. You forget about your connectivity to others. And before long, things start to fall apart. And most people don't realize why. It's because they've not been paying attention to the things that support their strategy and their mindset. Uh, It's absolutely critical. Um, And it's only now that we're starting to talk about it, for goodness sake. I mean, really openly. Um, It's kind of been there. But, you know, I don't think in the past anyone in the 90s would have even talked about this sort of stuff, you know?
1: Yeah, well, back in the 90s, right, they, I mean... They just didn't have – it wasn't as widespread, and they didn't have the technology to prove it. I mean, today, the stuff that they're proving with um, how your thoughts actually are going to create your results and how your thoughts always uh, create your results and how when you you get to your results – you know, When we coach people, right? we have this thing we call the model. We, we say, well, you know, we, you have a circumstance or a fact. You have a, uh, a thought about that fact. You have a feeling about the thought. The thought's going to create an action, and that action is going to produce a result. And one of the things when we go through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people with this model is that you're, you find your results always go back to your thought. It creates like a loop of, uh, of a circumstance. Okay? And really, the only way to get out of that loop isn't necessarily to change circumstances, it's to change your thought about what's going on, so that you can feel a different emotion, because our emotions are going to lead to, different emotions are going to lead to different actions. Right? And that's how, that's how we have to break free of it. Now, unfortunately, a lot of times, a person's actions are driven by their emotions. Um, and, of course, when you take your actions, you're going to get certain results, and through working with hundreds and hundreds of people, we found out that uh, your results always go back to your thought, meaning your results reinforce your thought, which means you believe whatever your thought was even more, and you that, that emotion increases, the actions get uh, you know go further off the rail, and then the results get worse, and that's just a loop. And the only way to get into or stop that loop is to uh, change your thoughts. Now. Um, your thoughts obviously come from what you believe. So, you know, if you, if you if you lose a trade and you believe that that means that you're never going to make it as a trader or your strategy is no good or whatever, then, you know, your thought about that loss is going to lead you to an emotion that's going to, you know, cause you to maybe do a different strategy, break the plan. And again, you're not going to get the results that that plan is capable of creating at that point. So, you know, at some point, you have to realize that it's the thought itself that's creating the issue that you're having with your challenges. And um, so, so it becomes, well, how do I think something else? Because this is what I believe. And one of the things one of my mentors told me long ago is that, you know, what you believe is what you believe, but you have to ask, is that belief that you're having You know, Not is it true or is it not true, but is that belief actually benefiting you or not benefiting you? Because the belief may actually be true, who knows? But if as a consequence of believing what you're believing, you're getting these real terrible results, then that belief is not benefiting you. And if you can choose to change a belief because the belief no longer benefits you, rather than worrying about whether it's true or not, you're going to be able to at that point if you change that belief, you'll be able to think a different thought, feel a different emotion, take a different action, and, you know, get better results. So that's basically the way the loop works.
0: I'm fascinated about this. My philosophy belief is that those who are great at trading are masters of letting go. That is the super skill of great trading. Letting go of bad outcomes. Letting go of ego. Right.
1: Well, here's the interesting interesting thing about the human mind, right? So... Um, the meaning they're putting behind the losses isn't the same meaning that somebody else is putting behind a loss, because you know what we'll see is you know there's going to be the successful trader who loses, and he's just going to say it just you know what's what what does that loss mean to you if you go ask them, and they'll say something like, well it's just a trade loss, it's a numbers game, right? Trading is a numbers game, it's just a loss, it's not a big deal, I'm going to move on. You'll have other people who uh, you talk about a loss to them, and they'll and they'll say, well it's a disaster. And when you start digging deeper in, deeper and deeper into what they're actually thinking, it's, it, it's pretty scary. I mean, if you thought the same thing, you'd, you, you'd be afraid as well, right? So one of the things about the human mind is that if, it, if the consequences of something are undefined, your mind freaks out. It wants to know what the consequences of this loss is. And a lot of people logically, all they'll say or all they'll, they'll think is this loss is going to be terrible, in which case it's undefined, right? Because um, what we do, we do this thing. We have this tool called a thought download, and what we'll do is we'll just download our thoughts, or we'll write down everything that we're thinking. After that, I because the traders will write down whatever they're thinking and how afraid they were. But after that, what we'll do is we'll dig into what they wrote down, and basically say they ask the question: So what? So you're going to lose a trade. So what, right? And they'll find out that well, what does that mean to you? And we'll go on and on and on, you know. And eventually, it means that they're never going to make it as a trader. That they're a loser. That they're a failure. So, so what? So you're so you failed. So what, right? Well, that means that um, nobody's going to love me. So what? Well, if nobody loves me. Then you know what's the point of living, right? So this 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 thought path always leads to death. So. When you go back and they think about losing the trade, their unconscious mind is thinking about death. It thinks they're going to die. Because there's no definition. There's no there's no limit as to how bad it can get. And I think we've experienced this in other things when we you know when we when we think something bad's gonna happen and we don't know how bad it's gonna get, we get real freaked out about it. But even if it is really bad and we know very defined how what our risk is or how bad it's gonna get, if we know that defined, we feel better about it even though we know it's a risk. So this is a really, really big part of um, the work I like to do with traders, is to clearly define what that risk means and make sure that they know that risk. You know, when, when that risk is clearly defined, it's just simply a trading loss. It's not you're going to die. It's not you're not going to be loved. It's not that you're a failure. right? It's just a trading loss. And once they get that, it's a lot easier to manage it because you're not going to be able to manage your mind if you think you're going to die every time you lose a trade. It's just not going to happen, right? And these are the, these are the types of things that that, that that are like that. And I was the same way early on. You know, you got back to saying, well, how did you change? I mean, it's the same thing. I, I, you know, I lose a trade. What does that mean? And you know, I did the work with myself, and I, and I come to find out that it means this crazy shit that it doesn't mean. Right? So, once I clearly define what that loss means, I'm fine with it. Right? And I accept it ahead of time. Also, I realize I'm going to loss. You get a lot of traders who don't even... They don't even mentally accept that the, the trading strategy can lose. Right? They'll come up with an indicator or a strategy or whatever, and they don't even accept it from a, i mean, really internalize and understand that that strategy is going to lose. And they think if it does lose then that's a problem, rather than understanding that it's actually part of the game. This is what trading is. You know, it's like playing football. You're going to lose some games, no matter how good you are. And losing a game isn't a disaster. You just lost a game. Um, and as long as we can keep it in that game setting, then it's, it, makes it, it makes it a lot easier to deal with that. Right? It brings your fear level down to something that's reasonable.
2: Yeah, I've got a thing to raise on that. It's, I guess it's the fundamental question. That you need to ask yourself: Can you afford to be in the game? You know, because there could be the there could be people out there that have got a twenty thousand dollar deposit that is their life savings that does get wiped out by a bad trade, and then, you know, there is a big question about the the negative impact of that that they then have to deal with. So I think that there is this pre-trading question um, for those, particularly on the retail, rather than professional, because professional you've got the support of the structure of the business you work for. But those on the retail that you know can't afford it and are walking into trading with with not the skill set to deal with the damage that might occur if things suddenly go pear-shaped, like a 2020 occurring. Um, So I think there is a fundamental question about um, the affordability of being in the game. Um, Because if you can't afford it, then you shouldn't be in it.
1: That is a fantastic point that you bring up. Because, you know, whenever we talk about fear, that is the first question we have to ask. We have to ask, should you be afraid? I mean, maybe they are gambling their life savings maybe they are short options and they don't understand what the consequences of short options are so we you know they so you do need to understand what you're doing at a mechanical level you do need to understand what your risk is and you do need to put yourself or or be in a position where if you lost that money that it's that you can deal with it. I, I agree with 100% that it, that it has to be there. And, I, and I've run across that with traders as well. We had a trader who came into our business, and he's trading a $50,000 options position, and um, that has a maximum loss of $15,000. And the guy's got a net worth of like 70 grand. Completely irresponsible. Right. Even if even if he kept the trade at maximum loss, which was fifteen thousand, it would be irresponsible in my opinion to be trading that size. But on top of that, he didn't even get out of the he didn't have the skill or the mindset to get out of the trade when he was down fifteen thousand dollars. He went down twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars, forty thousand dollars. Then he gets oversized in the trade. Now he's down fifty thousand dollars, loses everything that he has. Right? Completely irresponsible and that stuff can happen and you really, really have to think about it before you go in and put the risk on. If you're feeling fear, you should definitely see if that fear is actually telling you something, you know, telling you that you're doing something stupid, which is that's what fear is there for, right? Um, But when it's, but however, you know, when fear is not um, justified, that's a different story. Then we want to deal with it. We want to make sure that they get the mindset right.
0: He seems to have gone in with either massive overconfidence or desperation.
1: You know, that'll do it, right? So, so the guys, the guy, you know, you get some guy that or a girl that has been, um, you know, they're desperate to make money. They put on this big trade and they think it's going to work because they saw it work and because they backtested it or something, right? So it has to work. To, it worked yesterday. It has to work tomorrow, and um, because they, they, and they're desperate to get that money. And then the problem is, if you're desperate to get the money, once you're drawn down, you don't want to exit the trade because now it's even worse, right? So you're desperate to get the money back, and you just stay in it till the very end and hope you win. Um, that's the way human beings act when, when they're in desperation, and that is not a way to trade, <laughs> not at all.
0: It's fascinating because there is the other side here, relationship with money. Yeah, it,
1: it's funny. It all comes into trading. And a lot of it's your your self esteem comes into trading, your um, you know whether or not you've, you you feel loved and um, all, all that it's all hitting you at the same time. And you know people with money. I mean, people see money as extremely important and rightfully so because a lot of times it is. Um, and yeah, yeah, that, that brings it definitely brings in all the emotions.
0: The human element is amazing. You trained your human side and developed that more than you worked on your trading strategy. Well, 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 let's look at it this way.
1: I I can tell you, from my point of view, with 100% confidence, you give me any trading style, whether it be futures, directional, options, or whatever, and I will learn how to trade that and be profitable with it in a very short period of time, because realistically, the same principles that help me be successful in the type of trading I'm doing are going to be helpful... in developing the uh, profit, profitability in the, in the other trading strategies as well. On the other hand, if you take somebody with a poor mindset, and I've proven this, I've proven this time and time again, because we have very strict rule-defined strategies, right? And you can tell if somebody's going to follow them or not. But you can give anybody, the, you can give a lot of people the best strategy and they absolutely are not going to... Uh, and they're not going to make money. They're going to lose. If they don't lose because they're not following the rules, they're losing because their position sizing is bad. Right? It's because they're escalating their size when they're winning. They're dropping their size after the big loss which you can kind of get away with in directional trading because your wins are bigger than your losses, but in our type of trading, you can't get away with that. Your wins are equal to or less than your losses, which means that if you, you, know, if you trade 10 months at a small size and then you use that as evidence that you have the perfect trading strategy and you could quadruple your size and you lose, you've lost all that money. You've lost all of it, so and then some. Uh, and it's not because the trading strategy is bad, right? The trading strategy was fine. You had a position sizing strategy problem, and you know, and, you know those are the types of things that that, that we really, really need to look at. And the position sizing strategy problem was because probably you you scaled up and got overconfident when when you were winning, and then the confidence and because you were relying on the win for confidence rather than something else, as soon as you lost, the confidence was gone.
2: Yeah. And. I think th- th- this explains exactly why the Alpha Mind podcast exists, of course, that this, this, this bring, it, bring in these, uh, um, these very important points you know for the community to understand the fact that success is dependent upon mindset. How you managed your day yesterday uh, and retired and slept and woke up this morning will determine how your day is today.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It definitely,
2: you know, and I, I loved your point about, you know, the, the positive expectations. I think we, are, in England, we have this phrase you create your own luck and you know, that, that is a mindset driven thing, but also you sort of forge your own destiny from that mindset too. And you can get it so badly wrong that if you stack, you have a mindset that's dragged into the negative thought processes you're not even showing up for the for the present moment to you know to take take in life as it is, but also you're certainly not taking taking a part in a very complicated, uh, volatile environment like markets if your mindset is just well, you know. Your, off the your mindset
1: determines the information you see, and the information you delete, right? So that gives, and based on what you see and what you delete, that that determines what your your uh, your decisions are going to be. Right. So if you're only seeing crap, you know, it's kind of like you you know how you got Facebook. Right. You know, if you if you look for something on Facebook, the artificial intelligence behind Facebook will show you more of what you like and it will won't show you what you don't like. It's the same thing with your mind. I mean, you're you're searching for things that, um, uh, in other words, you're biasing and and you're filtering the information that you're taking in in a way that isn't going to benefit you, which is going to be extremely problematic. Um, you guys see? Have ever seen Darren Brown? Okay. Well, anyway, he has this one on luck, right? And there's this guy who believes he has bad luck, and the things are always wrong with him. So what they what they tried to do is they tried to show him or or. Present him to situations where he was, where all he had to do was take advantage of it, he would have been lucky. I mean, they they they'd throw money on the ground, for example, in the path he knew he was going to take, and he'd never see it. And they would, you know, he had, give him phone calls about how he won the lottery. He would never take them. They went to the point where they actually put a billboard on a on a big truck, and they drove it by him with his name on it, saying, "We have this money waiting for you." He never even paid attention to it. Right, everybody else in the world saw it, but he didn't see it because he didn't believe that that he could have that luck. It was just, it was really a, a very interesting episode. It was really cool. But it's the same thing with trading. You have a billboard on what to do, and you're not going to see it if you don't have the right mindset to see it.
0: As Mark said, this is the central tenet of this podcast. We had an email from a listener last weekend who said that he had listened back to the Merrick Black episode from last year, four times just last weekend alone. And that episode remains our most downloaded episode. Yeah, I like, I like Merit, yep. That episode for me captures the very core of what this podcast is all about. It, it captures the essence of great trading. Great performance comes from within. And if mm-hmm. you keep looking outside of yourself, you'll never get there, you'll never fully trust yourself. You have to learn to trust yourself. You have to create your own playbook personal to you you have to own it if you don't own it you'll always be owned by it Mm -hmm. that is where I went wrong in the first half of my training career I was looking for answers outside of myself and during the first half of my career I was generally quite mediocre occasional bouts of, of great performance but maybe they got me through but generally erratic and underwhelming the second half of my career which was catalyzed by participating in a coaching program was very different I started looking within and I started to trust myself, and I, I created a playbook that was suited to me, that fitted me right. much better than anything I was doing right. before.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. The thing I think you bring up a good point. I mean, you read a book and you get information, and you say, "I, uh, you know, this is the way I should think." And you know, at a conscious level, you can try and think that. But the real, the real um, test is. How are you feeling? You know, Is that going t- t- to a deep unconscious level? right? So if you go back to the, uh, you, you said a quote, I think you sent a quote to us earlier. It says there's a difference between making money and tra- uh, trading and believing you'll be making money trading. And um, uh, wh- uh, let me see, I just found the quote. It says the latter is when you finally start to trust yourself, trust and believe in yourself. One of the best traders I coached made money almost from day one but said it took six years to start trusting himself. And I said, well, that's an interesting point, right? Because for many traders, it's the other way around. Many traders believe that they'll make money from day one, and then they're going to proceed to lose money for the next six years, right? Because of that. But but what that does is that just highlights the the disconnect that we have as people between what we believe consciously as compared to what we believe at a deeper unconscious level. Because, look, you know, in order to trade, if you look at this trader that, that, that made money right away, the first part of his trading, he was probably lucky, right? Because, I mean, trading has an element of luck in it. But in order to perform for a long period of time, in order for that performance to last, and to be able to pull the trigger on entering and exiting, exiting the trades at the right time, he had to have trust in what he was doing at some level, Right? So uh, if he didn't have that trust, he wouldn't have been able to get himself to do it. Yet at the conscious level or his awareness level, you know he still didn't trust himself. But the reality is at the deeper level he did. right he, he still he still had to have that internal belief in himself, even though he didn't aware, he wasn't aware that he did. My point being, I'm trying to show you the other way around, which is the way most traders are. Most traders at a conscious or logical level, they believe, hey, I'm smart, Trading is easy. They look at the ads on the internet or whatever, and they think, all I have to do is I have to find the right indicator, the right set of rules. I'm going to make all this money. Well, at the same time, at the deeper unconscious level, they've got all this scarcity crap going on. And, you know, they're, and these beliefs, that are very unbeneficial to them, meaning that when they start trading a strategy or whatever, they can pull the trigger because, you know, all the newness and novelties around the strategy, they haven't realized that it's going to be challenging yet. But unless they get that constant validation in the form of wins, as soon as this trader runs into an obstacle, he's going to give up or he's going to just go on to something else. And that is... um, the scenario where we see where people are jumping around from trading strategy to trading strategy, watching webinar after webinar, taking course after course, just taking in information, but not ever getting anywhere. I mean, sure, they know a whole ton of stuff about trading. They know a whole ton of stuff about implied volatility. There are people out there who know 10 times more about trading than I do, 10 times more about implied volatility, and they're losing money, right? The problem is these people, they're, they don't have the confidence in themselves, so they're not doing the things they need to do to become a great trader. They're just taking in more information, more information, more information, hoping that they're going to find some magic thing that's going to work for them. Where in reality, even if they did find it, they're not going to be able to do it because they don't have the... the because it's it's, good, it's It's everything's going to eventually go through a rocky period. And when it does, they're not going to have the confidence in themselves or in the strategy in order to go through with it because at a deep level they're not. So we, we really have to... Um, you know when you start talking about reading books and um, and and you know saying affirmations to yourself for example I mean you can pre- you can pretend to yourself at a logical level that um, You're gonna say you can say to yourself I'm gonna win this trade I'm gonna win this trade I'm gonna win this trade but the reality is that at the core you have this other stuff going on inside of yourself You, you don't believe it right so as soon as the emotions kick in and your conscious mind shuts down, you know, the, the the ogre's in control. I call your unconscious the ogre. The ogre's in control, and he's going to do what he believes to be true, which is the same old thing you've been doing for the last, you know, 10 years or whatever it is. So, and, you know, we really have to do what you said, get back in and really work with the trader and see what's going on deep inside so that we can get them to do what they need to do.
2: Stunned are you aware it's <clears throat> just essential 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 understanding i mean in anything it's not about doing the <clears throat> i remember going to a massive conference about emotional intelligence from someone on stage just said look this is not about earning a certificate this is about embodying a, and owning a journey and actually live living living it, and through your senses the exposure to you know life and whatever you're getting involved with but so many people view it as I've got to get the qualification I've got a certificate I'm now a trader I've got I've got a I've been on a course I can now go and trade whoa you know there's a like we say it's not about that but I guess the way society has grown up it sort of as, you know to become qualified you have to go and get a degree or go on a course or whatever to a point that's right but from a trading perspective It's deeper than that. You know, it's about you. It's about understanding the the mindset of you and the fragility of you in this crazy Wild West world of trading and just how vulnerable you are to all sorts of stuff turning up and doing bad things. And I I think that people don't get that. They think, I've got a certificate, I'm going to go and trade, I'm going to go and make money. I wanna get my Lambo, my Island, or whatever out of the profitability of all of this. And and just you know, it's not <laughs> that mindset. It's a different mindset. And Steve and I will tell you that that the most success some of the most successful traders are the people that you wouldn't believe are traders. You know, they're so you know, that you have this idea of a trader being this sort yep. of, you know, the, the 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 gecko of this world. The best traders are the guys that you wouldn't even believe that they were a trader. They have a very quiet, calm mentality. They don't talk about their trades. Well. Rarely, you know? Very, very rarely. But you know that they've got this instinct and this intuition. (laughs) Right. And this connectivity to the market because they've embodied that journey. And a
1: lot of times they don't even have that much education as far as trading, right? No.
2: No, well, sure. On the floors of the exchange, I mean, people were coming out of out of the streets of East London but they had a savviness yeah, they
1: had a belief in themselves and, and it's just the the, yeah. the fortitude it takes to actually do well in trading and the problem with people who go for degrees and certificates and stuff like that is they use those degrees and certificates for validation because they don't have the internal confidence to do it in the first place yeah. precisely and that becomes definitely. a problem yeah,
0: this definitely. is all well yeah. and good you need to have yep. this internal trust this internal confidence this internal belief but how do i get that how do i develop that if if i don't have it how do i move towards that and and, and that is the big battle for so many people and you know i I talked earlier about my the earlier part of my career you know i I was searching for that and i would go and buy books and i would read market wizards again and i'd learn something for a little bit but i wouldn't habitualize it i wouldn't take it on board you know i'd keep slipping back into the old habits the old ways
1: well you know in a sense they're right i mean you have to you have to know what you're doing. You have to have a basic understanding of trading. You have to do have the stuff. So I don't want to discount that at all. Yeah, no, but... no,
0: no, You've got to have you got to have a system that's structure for sure. It works. It's you know you've got to be able to find an approach. You've got to right. be able to you know you got to be able to do the risk management, the money management. You you've got to have good analytical processes, and and your shared st- system must right. be capable of delivering. You know. So that that goes without saying in, in a sense. But uh, you know more, more than that, you need a mindset, you know, what I call a metagame. You need to be able to do something beyond that. Those strategies, those systems, those your analysis, the money management, none of them are unique. You know, if you do have something that's unique, it's unique maybe once only for a short time and then other people will find it, other people will catch up. So you have to have something that is everything combined and brings it in and adds something else on top. That is what I call the metagame.
1: Right. And, and, and I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, where you actually had to go in and you had to dig deep inside with the internal work. You know, some people are lucky they don't have to do that. They already have it naturally. But uh, is that's a very, very small percentage of the population. Most of us have a lot of hang ups. Uh, we don't like to admit it, especially if we're males that were, that think ourselves think of ourselves as logically thinking people. We've gone through our life hiding our emotions and saying we're logical, um, and and pretending we don't have emotions. But that's not true at all. I mean, usually when we start digging into these people, they have some of the strongest emotions you've ever seen. I mean, I I life coach women, and women, I mean, tend to have they tend to be very emotional. But they're no ways near as an emotional as a guy who thought he's been logical all his life. Um, you know, once you get down and start breaking that down, I mean, they have these tremendous um, fears and, um, and emotions in the background that they've been they've spent their whole life, um, you know, hiding from themselves. And I think going in and you have to break down and see what's going on inside. And that's not an easy fix. That's not a video. That's not a book. That's working with somebody and seeing what's going on, so that we can, you know, bring this stuff up to the surface, so that, so that they, they can, you know, allow themselves to um, um, u- utilize their emotions in a way that's going to help them trading, rather than having it destroy their trading. The other thing is too, you know, the motivational triad, as they say, for human beings, which is we avoid pain, we we seek pleasure, and uh, we try to conserve energy. So the default default action for a human being is to do nothing. And we do nothing unless we're trying to avoid pain or we're trying to seek pleasure or go after something else. So you get these people who say, I want to trade without emotion. And I'm like, really? You want to trade without emotion? You know what you do without emotion? You wouldn't enter a trade. If you did enter a trade, you wouldn't care if you adjusted it or not. And you wouldn't, care, you wouldn't care about anything. Why would you even bother trading if you didn't have emotion? The problem isn't that you have emotion. The problem is you're not using the emotions that are going to lead you to the right actions. So, um, you know, let's, you know, I think part of that is just making these people aware that they are utilizing emotions. They are using emotions now. And they're using them, the way they're using them is hurting them. Right? And you can appeal to that from a logical standpoint. You know, and you can give example after example after example how you do nothing, right? Um, you can give example, example after example of how, how somebody will do something stupid in the short term to get out of short-term pain in detriment to their long-term success. That is the natural human thing, right? Because we don't want to think about the long-term. We just, the, 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 if you want to get into the reptile brain, um, right, the reptile brain, he just wants to get out of pain now. He wants the pleasure now. He's not thinking of the long term. That's for your, your neocortex to deal with, right? So, um, and then, of course, if if, 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 fear, if the fear get, starts coming up, your neocortex shuts down. And you're dealing with complete emotion. And yet these people still think they're logical. And they're trying to make a logical decision when they're afraid. And they're making that, deci- that logical decision based off filtered and biased information. And they make the decision. And then they go back two days later, and they go back and look at the decision, and they say, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. It makes no logical sense whatsoever. But the reality is it did make logical sense at the time because of the way they were filtering information and the emotion they were in.
2: Well, what I can in- incorporate it in the rap, um, what, what I think one of the most important things that I think has, has come to light from John, and I think something that we've discussed in the past, is is to to know when you've drifted into a negative mindset. You know that realization of being aware that you've now attained this this different side of you that's going to work against you. And I always remember um, some someone I coached that uh, used used to talk about how how she in particular had had this different side of her that would almost take over her personality, and um, she would really become have a habit of noticing when that was, and her method of managing that was to laugh at it was to almost just laugh out loud at this this you know this this other thing in her head that was trying to get her tripped up into some negative so laugh at, laughing at the negative ogre as you mentioned I think is really important and being aware that you've been dragged into you know paying attention to replan the negative trade of yesterday or the day you, you you drop your mortgage that you've now managed to pick back up again. Don't replay that stuff. And, and don't rehearse the day ahead either. You know, walking into a trading day thinking that you're going to, you know, take on the world and make a fortune is a massive mistake as well.
1: Well, I don't know if I agree 100% with that. I think playing well especially the way we trade because we trade strategy so we have like 10 things going on at the same time um, so so uh, I actually recommend people visualize their trade but I don't recommend that they visualize them winning sure, their trade absolutely I recommend they visualize them the trade going against them and they visual. I mean, sure. One of the scenarios is they win trade; it's easy. But also play the scenario where this thing's a disaster, and the worst thing could possibly happen happens. How are you going to manage that? What are you going to do about it? So that you, so that when that, you know, if something like that occurs, you've already rehearsed it in your head. You understand how to do it. But I agree with you. You don't want to go in with that lofty feeling that there's that I'm invincible because that's not going to get you anywhere.
0: John, we're getting close to the end of the podcast. Um, where can people find out more about you? You want to do that now or or? Yes. Yes, we okay. could.
1: Yeah, so I have a company called LockInYourSuccess.com. The uh, the it's L-O-C-K-E, InYourSuccess.com, and that's one word. Um, for those of you who like free resources, we also have a, a website called TradingPerformancePodcast.com, and again, that's one word, TradingPerformancePodcast, and there you can find it, our past. Uh, trading performance podcast episodes, uh, various topics relating to trading performance as well as um, uh, our mailing list that you could join. And that will allow you to keep up to date with the presentations as they come out. We also have book re- recommendations that we email our people Um as far as luckinyoursuccess.com, that's our main website, and that's where you can find information on all the products and strategies and uh, memberships that we have. And we do have a trading performance membership for those people who would like to really get involved and dig down into their trading performance.
2: No, for sure. I think it's just so, so important. I think that, that this stuff gets, I think fits in so well with what Steve and I have built over the last year, this this. This forum for dialogue about stuff like this, um, you've come at it from and I think you've given great insight into the opportunity in the world of options for those that want to, you know, to look at that. I mean some people out there may may have heard but may, may have not heard that it's actually, you know, so potentially lucrative and certainly locking your success from a website point of view could be a place to start to understand that. But for God's sake, don't jump in on the short side of an option. Don't jump in when you've only got a limited amount of money for, for any trading, really. Um, and really understand yourself a, a, a fundamental point of knowing you um, because it will drive your mindset. If you can do that, then you'll know when you've drifted into a negative mindset because that's in markets, that's lethal. Um, and getting yourself back into yes. the present, as, as I often say, and using stuff that I've got around Mind Fitness I'm sure, John, you've got very similar methods of recentering yourself when you've got a big decision to make, or even just for the the the, the ongoing process of managing the day. It's absolutely critical.
1: We've got whole program programs on well, that. So we need, yeah, <laughs> we need
2: to talk further about that. But um, but you know, and few of us sort of realize it. You know, the the, the most of the community just thinks they turn up, ramp off and face their screens and then off they go, they try to trade and make their money. Actually, there's a whole lot of stuff you need to be doing around that that isn't trading, that's about Mm -hmm. really tuning you as an elite performer in in this world that is markets. Um, And that takes some hard work, it takes a lot of commitment as well, it's about getting process right. It's about how you, as you mentioned, John, how you... How you delete things that, that, yeah. that, that are negative disturbances that are going to trip you up because if you don't delete them, they'll play on your mind. If they play on your mind, your mindset will drift and it won't drift positively, it will drift into a negative and you'll get trader block. You won't see a thing and actually you, you may not see nothing at all, but you'll be encouraged to do stupid things trading for the sake of it just because you know you're, you you've got this mindset that feels you need to be involved to make try to make some money when actually it's time to reflect and understand what's going on so john i think we um we we've loved this chat i think steve and i have uh, very much enjoyed uh, sharing our thoughts but li- listening to so much depth to come from you in this uh, very interesting journey that you've had from a, a success coach into trading rather than Steve, which is entirely the opposite, and rather myself, which is entirely the opposite. Um, But, you know, it works for you, and you've got this um, fabulous uh, resource out there in the work that you've done, and, of course, the background work you do with SMB Capital too. So we want to thank you for your time today. We've really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you. It was great being on, and I appreciate you
0: having me. Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you have been enjoying the Mind podcast series, we would be delighted if you could rate and review the show on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use. Ratings and reviews help us grow our audience, which in turn enables us to keep bringing you outstanding guests for your education and pleasure. Also, be sure to subscribe or follow the Alfmind podcast on whichever podcast service you use, so as to make sure you do not miss future episodes. Thank you to our podcast partner, the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA. You can learn more about their service, becoming a member, and their outstanding technical analysis home study course on the STA website, sta-uk.org. Alpha Mind is a joint collaboration between Mark Randall and myself, Stephen Goldstein. To know more about us, visit our website, alpha-mind.net or go to the Alphamind blog, alphamindblog.blogspot.com. There you can subscribe to our new newsletter. You can also follow us on social media. My Twitter handle is at Alphamind101 and Mark's Twitter handle is at Alphamind102. Or connect with us on LinkedIn and join our Alphamind LinkedIn group. Thank you once again for listening and we hope you have a great week.